I think that most of us develop our views and thoughts on money by like age seven. Some research has shown that, you know, you're just, you're like a sponge between uh, two years to, to seven years old and, and taking all this in, whether you really know it or not. Welcome to the All Things Retirement Podcast with certified financial planner, Anthony Alpha. Here's your host, Ben George. Hey, glad to have you back here on All Things Retirement. I'm Ben George, joined with Anthony Alpha. He is the certified financial planner and founder at Cardinal Wealth Group. And today we're going to find out more about his financial knowledge, how he acquired it, you know, what kind of books he likes to read, who he's relied on, relationships he's had, his parents, kind of all these different factors that have helped him get to this point in financial planning. We'll learn all about that today. And hopefully you maybe can pick up a thing or two on maybe resources you can utilize or places that you can look to increase your knowledge along the way. Anthony, good to talk to you again. How are you? Yeah, likewise, Ben. Uh, doing well. The year's been off to a, uh, a good start overall. They say, uh, you know, if the market's uh, off to a good start in January, it's a, it's a good sign for the rest of the year. So hopefully that, uh, that follows suit this year. Yeah, I hope so. It's uh, you know, twenty twenty. We wanted to put us put it behind us. Twenty twenty one hasn't been quiet, I guess to say, but uh, still the market has been pretty strong and you know, always. I think everybody's optimistic about what's to come, just in general. Putting the the last year behind us, vaccines coming down the road and all this stuff. So, looking forward to the year that lies ahead. And you know, speaking of kind of the market, there's a headline I wanted to run by you and get your thoughts on. And you know, recording this in you know, late January, so. This has obviously probably changed the market, as we've seen, bounces up and down, sometimes pretty dramatically in points. But Tesla recently had a significant drop in their stock price because JP Morgan analysts said the stock was dramatically overvalued, which not a surprise as much as it's gone up over the past year or two. Um, but that caused Elon Musk's net worth to drop by $9 billion, $9 billion in one single day. What do you usually tell a client that loses $9 billion in a day? I don't think I'm going to ever uh, <laughs> run into this, uh, just generally speaking, the circles that we're in, and we're not really running with Elon Musk. So, But if I'm talking to Elon, I'm, I'm sure he's just going to be okay, and I don't think he's going to miss a meal. But <laughs> I, you know, I, it's not like uh, other clients of ours haven't been in a similar situation, more relative uh, to their situation, and it probably feels... The same once you've reduced some of the zeros and probably maybe not Elon Musk, but you know, some of our clients overall, I think at times would have their doubts when the market takes a drop. But for the most part, we're really talking more longer term and, and we're also really insulating people's uh, accounts for retirement from things like this. So we're planning ahead and we're figuring things like this will happen in the future more than just one day, but more over longer periods of time. So I think it's just really re going over the plan and reminding them that, you know, we kind of plan for some of these things and, you know, understanding how much it's actually affected them at the end of the day during these short term uh, periods of volatility. Yeah, it's probably a good reminder not to pay attention to one single day either, right? I mean, you know, kind of look at the big picture and not get too hung up on these swings one day to the next because they, right. they can look bad on paper, but you know, obviously over the course of time, things will balance back out. And every time that you're in it, and it, it feels like you know it's not going to be like before where it <laughs> recovered. So yeah. you know, this time always feels different than some previous time. So it's just hard to 
separate that sometimes. And, you know, it's, it's an emotional thing, so I totally understand. Well, before we get into our main topic of conversation today on the podcast, I want to remind you, cardinalwg.com is the website. So when we get done today, if you want to learn more about Anthony, about Cardinal Wealth Group, where you want to access some of his resources just to continue educating yourself in the financial space, you can do so at cardinalwg.com. All of our podcasts are there as well. And uh, please hit subscribe when you do. And then also you can call Anthony directly if you prefer at 609-605-2808. So this idea of kind of where your financial knowledge comes from, Anthony, you know, I just want to kind of pick your brain a little bit and just kind of see who's influenced you along the way, you know, how you got to this point in your journey and learning all about money and financial planning. And, you know, just hope maybe some people can learn a thing or two, A, about you, but also maybe some places they can look and turn for help uh, on their own. So the first thing I'm curious about, you know, we all kind of look to, I guess, maybe celebrities, I guess we can call them in the financial world, at least people that have built a brand are very well known, you know, Dave Ramsey, Jim Cramer, uh, Susie Orman, all these people, there's many more, but is there anybody that you picked up advice from uh, along the way in that arena that you kind of look to? It wouldn't be anybody that 99% of the people that we're speaking to would, would know by any means. So we're not going to Ramsey or Kramer or Susie for any advice at all at the end of the day. Um, the people that we're looking to are the thought leaders in retirement planning or investment or wealth management are going to be more in the academia world where you're not going to see them on TV. And I think that basically sets the difference between Ramsey, Kramer, and Orman versus academic. I'm not to say that people in academia aren't trying to get their word out, but I think at the end of the day, those Orman, Kramer, Ramsey, in your example, are, are marketers at the end of the day. I'm, I'm not saying that they're right. bad. I'm just saying that they're not the thought leaders and are not doing the research on research planning You know, for retirement. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to be the people that we're going to go and spend our time following what, what they're doing there at the end of the day. So the people that we follow are gonna really not going to be known to anybody in the public and uh, because they're coming from really the different educational institutions that you, you're just not going to hear of. I gotcha. What about books? You know, we always look to books to, to help improve where we stand in our knowledge and, and pick up th new things every year. I'm sure People have goals this year to read some books, additional books in the financial space. So what what book or two maybe that can you think of that helps shape your views that maybe you'd recommend to clients or anybody that's listening? Yeah, for, for me, in terms of um, like, again, like the academia world, it's going to be people in the, in the like American college. That's going to be the Wade, Dr. Wade Fowl, David Blanchett from Morningstar. I, I really think that the American college uh, for financial planning has done a, a really good great objective job of moving the needle forward in financial planning and, and testing and research and just knowledge base. And all those folks there have books that we would be picking up. But I think a great book that I recently read, and I'm actually a part of his uh, program, is a, a book by George Kinder. Um, and he is a life planner. And what makes George a little bit unique is that he's really focused more on less of, we'll call it the academia of research, but more in the world of understanding what the meaning of money is to you. And he goes through a pretty deep process of, of helping you go through a, an internal discovery of what is actually really most important to you from a, from a planning standpoint. And 
that is a book that I've recommended to others. But we also are in the process of learning more about this to be able to uh, implement it into our conversations with our clients. Because I think at the end of the day, a lot of times we're staying at the at the higher end of, of solving financial plans, but we're not always in the financial side, but we're not really digging as deep uh, where I think a lot of the answers lie or the questions or the concerns that may not always be first brought to our attention. So George Kinder, um, that would be one book that I would recommend, uh, and it's called The Seven Stages of Money Maturity. And for the entrepreneurs out there, I really like the book uh, Profit First. And I've bought this book for many friends, um, other business owners and entrepreneurs. I think it's just, it's an easy read. Uh, his name is Michael Michalowicz, or I could be messing up his last name, but Profit First is the book. And what I like about it from a uh, it's really like a financial planning book for a business owner and not so much in terms of like you should have a 401k versus a profit sharing, but more of about setting your business up so that you're paying yourself first and not last like most businesses do, right? They pay everyone else, the vendors, the employees and everyone else. And then whatever's left over, you take home. And he's kind of rever- reversing that and saying, you know, pay your for yourself first what you need basically identify your profit first and then work backwards to, you know, get to everybody else. And basically that's helping you identify, okay, well, how much should you have in a marketing department? How much should you have in overhead or real estate and just the other business units to help you kind of manage your overhead at the end of the day. So I I think he does a really good job of laying out some solid concrete principles there. Very good. Put those on your list if you're looking for something to uh, to read something new a new idea there's a couple for you from anthony um let's talk about relationships because you know a lot of times i'm sure you've seen it with many of the clients that you've worked with you know your family your parents influence you a lot when you're growing up and especially with how you manage money which how you look at money um how you invest how you uh put look ahead to retirement all these different things are oftentimes shaped early on what about you did your parents have a big influence on you certainly uh had a big influence. It wasn't like we talked about money all the time, but just watching the relationship between my my mom and my dad being uh, in a lot of ways different. Uh, One was a little bit more of a spender, one a little bit more of a saver, but also never said no to the spender. So it wasn't like that person, I'm not going to call either one out here, (laughs) but uh, you know, uh, but neither one put their probably foot down against one another. But then you also saw one operating a checkbook one way um, without sharing what's going on. So the right hand was never always sharing with the left. But then I also saw it from a business owner's perspective, like the ups and downs of, of cash flow in a, in a construction-like business. But I'll tell you who is still, so that definitely had an impact. But I also would tell you that my grandmother uh, taking me out to you know breakfast or lunch many times at probably... 10 to 12 years of age, ranting about everybody from my dad, mom, her husband and cousins and giving the whole dirt, not sparing any punches of (laughs) what they're all doing right and wrong with their money and just instilling into me that just keep saving money at a young age. And that I feel like it's always comes back to the forefront whenever 
I get off course or re going through my own financial plan to saying we got to save more because I can just see her, you know, basically yelling at me over breakfast <laughs> um, at 10 years old still. Yeah, those relationships and those uh, lessons you learn early on stick with you clearly throughout your life, um, positively and negatively, mm-hmm. positively in this case. What about the relationships you have now? Uh, how do they sh- help shape you and both with how you think and how you feel about money? Well, I would tell you kind of like what has, you know, seen over the past, like what my parents uh, has definitely shaped it and has brought me to who I am today. I think that most of us develop our views and thoughts on money by like age seven. Some research has shown that, you know, you're just, you're like a sponge between uh, two years to the seven years old and, and taking all this in, whether you really know it or not. So I, I think that, and obviously just growing up and has brought me to a shape or a mold of what I am. But I will tell you that my view on money is getting more and more refined every day as I go through life with, with a family, with a daughter, and that whole money versus time value continues to shape who I am, not just like living in the moment and, and making sure we're having fun while we're doing it now, but also trying to solve longer term things. Because I think a lot of us or a lot of what I see from people who come into our office that are you know near retirement are always kind of kicking themselves in the butt for not saving more at times. And this is people with could have $2 million in their bank account, right? They, they feel like they right. should have or could have done better. So I, I take that and I, I just want to make sure that I'm certainly doing that so I don't feel that way. But at the same time, want to balance the other side of it. And that's the time and making sure that we're enjoying it and being present with, with my family now as well. Yeah, I think that's a challenge that we all kind of face day to day and, and trying to find that balance. Hopefully yeah. we get there. Yeah, I just try to keep it in, in front of me. So mm-hmm. may not always have the answer, but I think that can can constantly work on it and make it better. And, and I think small tweaks can lead to a lot of big changes over time. And that's you know just something that I've always kind of tried to keep front and center for myself. Very good. Yeah, I agree with a lot of that too. Uh, how about professional relationships that you have now? Are there any that you can think of that, that help you in your own practice, in your business, in the way that you help your clients? Definitely. I'm, I'm part of a, a few different communities amongst other, we'll call it like-minded advisors that want to do well by uh, their clients, um, have a great service model. And the community's great amongst it because you're we're sharing different ideas. We're kind of holding one another accountable or helping people under, uh, helping one another understand how to implement some of those changes. And Again, just going back to some of the academia uh, research being done f- by like Dr. Wade Fowl and uh, David Blanchett at Morningstar um, and you know the American College, I think they're just doing a great job of moving the needle forward for retirement planning or just financial advice or wealth management. And, and there's plenty of other people at that college that are um, teaching courses that are um, helping to shape this whole industry going forward. And, and it's it's nice to have, I think, an objective source that you know are doing a lot of the heavy lifting of the research needed to make sure that we're giving the best, most up-to-date information to our clients year over year. You know, one thing that's this big right now with, with fi- well, every everywhere, but you know, specifically financial, the financial world is, is technology. There's, it's just moving at such a rapid pace. You know, you can invest 
you know, your life savings in the click of a button, really, right now, if you wanted to. By the time I got done finishing the sentence, you could have invested fifteen, twenty, a hundred thousand dollars mm-hmm. on your phone is crazy. But you can also, you know, the the access allows you to research and learn and study and and maybe know much more than you could have fifteen, twenty years ago even. Um, what do you think about these advancements? Are they good or bad? Are they helping or hurting us in terms of financial literacy? I think any day that where you're peeling back and offering more transparency and more communications, it's going to be a good thing at the end of the day. I think at the other side of it is just understanding what you do with that information and how to put it in terms of practical use. So to your point, there's certainly a lot of noise out there when you basically combine all that information. It's just trying to make sure that you find the right voices that are that are speaking to what you're trying to ultimately do. And I think taking some of the information that out out there in a general sense can at, do some harm at times because maybe it doesn't necessarily apply to your situation. And so I think working maybe with somebody else that you can bounce those ideas off of, like a, a financial advisor or financial coach of some sort, to just make sure that you're uh, applying them in the right practical sense make, makes the most sense. Um, and then, you know, it's a two-way street. Like the technologies, you know, you can research it, but it's hard to really ask a lot of these follow-up questions. And, you know, so a lot of these things might make some sense, but it might be hard to know whether or not is this really apply to me and before you go get yourself into something that it's hard to unwind or, or something like that. Well, in the world we live in now, you know, we, we, we're talking about a lot, a lot about policy, uh, taxes with the new administration. And you know, it, with, no matter what the administration is, there's always going to be thoughts and you're always going to be paying attention to what's happening there. Is there anyone that you can think of maybe that you follow closely in terms of an economist or maybe a politician who's policy that you respect? I mean, I'm not talking about necessarily you know, left versus right, but somebody that when it comes to the financial side of things, you kind of look towards. I, honestly, I would just go back to the American College with like Dr. Wade Fowl and, and okay. Dave Blanchett and Dr. Fink. I mean, they have the tax professionals there. They have, you know, the part of getting into onto the political side is that politicians, they come and they go, right? Whether it's every four years, five, eight years, and not one person can just change tax policy overnight. And so these shifts that that happen, you know, it's really for us to be in a more dynamic role to be able to roll with those punches. And so, you know, following those folks out there and um, understanding, you know, what opportunities create themselves when tax law does change is a better way for me to go about it rather than trying to rattle off uh, my own personal thoughts on, you know, deficit spending and whether or not that's a good thing, because it could be, I mean, that that question is, you know, is it good for who, good when now, or how about for the long run? And, you know, I, I don't think it makes much sense to bring my personal thoughts into it that are more or less subjective and really just to kind of focus on, well, let's talk about where it is right now. What are some potential things that could happen down the road that we want to plan for and and how do we address them today and talk about it in a way that helps frame it for the, the client to understand it, what's at risk and and different ways to go about addressing it. I got you. Well, hopefully this provides you a little insight on Anthony and kind of how he manages his business day to day and how he got to this point through his journey to, to helping clients. It's, it's all very fascinating. We all get to this point 
in our own different ways and our own path to, to get there. But we appreciate you sharing that, Anthony. Always some good insight there. And, and if you want to learn more about Anthony or or have him review your plan or help you build a plan, which is always should be a priority for you, you can visit him online at cardinalwg.com. You can schedule an appointment there and you can call him directly at 609-605-2808. We got a couple of mailbag questions that came in that I want to get to before we close it out. First one comes in from Albert. He says, should I start my social security at 62 to help pay off my house before I retire? Well, that's a great question. And certainly one that comes up from time to time for just in general, starting social security early and and using those proceeds while I'm working to do something else with it. I think the thing that comes to mind first is if you are working, are you making more than $18,000 a year? And if you are, how much more than that? Because for every $2, essentially over $18,000, your social security benefit payout is going to be reduced by a dollar. And so if you're making $50,000, starting your social security at 62, you're going to basically lower it by somewhere around $15,000 at the end of the day, give or take. And so it might not be as beneficial. And then you still got to pay taxes on top of that. So I'm not saying it it doesn't make sense. But I think you got to ask some other questions in terms of how much you're making. And then if it is important for you to pay off the house, you know, number one, why and does it have to be by retirement? It's not uncommon for people to carry a, a mortgage in retirement today's but also, what other assets do you have that maybe you could utilize to make that debt pay down goal happen if Social Security is not the most optimal choice. So those would be some of the things that I would probably tell you to look at uh, before pulling the trigger on Social Security. Thanks for that question, Albert. Our next one comes in from Diana. She says, I've heard about a strategy using life insurance to create income for yourself in retirement. Is this a legitimate strategy? That's another great question. So it certainly can be a a good strategy, and, and it certainly can be a legitimate one at that. But it just depends on what type of insurance that you're using, how that insurance has been set up. And so I would certainly recommend working not only with a, well, not just a licensed insurance person, but somebody who really understands how to make them work and how they work. And and because if you don't set it up properly, you could basically implode that life insurance policy. And, And if you also have a need there where you want to have a life insurance benefit, then you know you could really ruin that uh, that goal there. So you just want to make sure that you're you're working with a professional that can make sure that they set it up properly if you are going to do that, and probably maybe with a financial planner as well to kind of see how that you know the benefits of that versus using something else fit in your financial plan. So you have basically a couple different called income strategies to test to make sure that that's the right one for you. Very good. Thank you for that question. Uh, We appreciate everyone that sends them in, Albert, Diana, this week. If you have a question for us, please feel free. CardinalWG.com, that is the website. You can contact us through there. We'll try to bring them on the show and answer them here as well. But while you're on the website, make sure you uh, take the time. You can get request Anthony's How to Defuse the 401k IRA Tax Time Bomb. If you want to request that, you can do that now. The toolkit there on the website. But also all of our podcasts are archived there. You can go through there, listen to old episodes that uh, still very much apply to uh, financial planning today. So uh, I encourage you to do that as well. Let's close it out on that note, Anthony. I appreciate the time as always. And I look forward to talking to you again in a couple weeks. Thanks so much, Ben. Have a great day.
information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.